Father, today, your name will be glorified. We love you for choosing us and for pouring your love on us. Your Holy Spirit is here and your glory is being seen. We love you, Lord. Let your glory be seen. Let your power be known. Let your presence be present in our praises. Let your glory be seen. Let your power be known. Let your presence be present. In our praises, let your glory be seen, let your power be known, let your presence be present in our praise, let your glory be seen, let your power be known, let your presence. Be present in our praises. Let's sing it. Let your glory be seen. Let your power be known. Let your presence be present in our praise. Let your glory be seen. Let your power be known. Let your presence be present in our praise. Your presence be present in our praise. Let your glory be seen. Let your power be known. Let your presence be. Let your glory be seen. Let your power be known. Let your glory be seen. Let your power be known. Be present in our praise.
Let your glory be seen. Let your power. Be present. Let your glory be seen. Let your glory be seen. Let your presence You are my hope. Pick it up.
Thank you, Father. I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. All right, two scriptures quickly. I want us to go to Ephesians 1 from verse 15. Ephesians 1, 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And I want you to look at the last part of the purpose of the spirit of wisdom and revelation on your life the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of your calling the riches what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and finally the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe God wants you to have a revelation to the extent, to the measure. He used the word according, according, in proportion, relating to. I want you to know God's power to you who believe in accordance with the working of his mighty power. Which he wrath exerted or demonstrated in Christ when he raised him from the dead. When God raised Jesus from the dead, it was not just an issue of the man waking up 
from the dead. It was an operation of God. It was part of the mystery of God. As a matter of fact, the greatest act of God was in that single move. And when God created the world, the visible and the invisible, all the galaxies, the Milky Ways, all these things that our brother was talking about that we cannot comprehend or apprehend. All that in the first creation were just fringes of God's power. They're just a hint, a little bit of God's power. Because everything God does, he does twice. Everything created is created twice. The first Adam, the Bible says he was a figure of the one to come. The first man, Adam, was just a shadow. The real man God had in mind was Christ. If you see bread anywhere, there's that real bread of life. If you see water anywhere, you say, oh, this water is refreshing. There's a water of life. Sun, we have the sun of righteousness. Anything you see in the physical, there is the original version for which a physical one is a miniature of. So the first creation was just a little bit of God's power. Then the real power of God, the mighty power of God was reserved for the last day and for the last time. And it was reserved for God's son. It was unleashed into Christ and especially into his body, which is the church. That was why God waited and unleashed that power into the body of Christ when Jesus was dead because we were dead with him and we were buried with him and we were raised in him but in the resurrection of christ the bible is telling us here that there is that exceeding greatness of god's power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he demonstrated next verse please which he wrought in christ when he raised him from the dead now three things here number one god's mighty power which was a mystery hidden in god that part of god's glory that was not revealed but was kept for the last day for the grand show for the grand finale was demonstrated and it happened when Jesus rose from the dead. But here he's telling us that we must have a revelation. We must come to terms, grasp, apprehend, appropriate. This great power that was bestowed, lavished, exerted, released, demonstrated. In fact, he says... The exceeding greatness of his power to us what who believe. Now, us what, we don't speak that English anymore. Toward us, to us. I want you to come to know this great power that has been released to us. That has been given to us. In accordance with his mighty power. When he raised Christ from the dead. Then he began to explain the extent of that power. How? How big? How great that power is? 
He said it is in accordance with his power. It's just like that power was the same as God's power. That's what he's saying. He's saying that God released all his potentials literally. We can say that. In that act of resurrection. And you need to ask why. Because God wants that power to be resident in the body of Christ. Jesus Christ doesn't need that power because he's already God. Jesus never needed to be a man. He was already God. If you call him son of God, you have not promoted him. He's a demotion. The man was already God. Jesus never needed to be a man. He became a man for your sake. Jesus didn't have to die. He died for my sake. Jesus didn't have to rise from the dead. In fact, Jesus didn't die as God because God doesn't die. He died as a man. And he rose as a man because God doesn't die and he doesn't rise up. Now, Jesus is God, but he became fully man for our sake. And when he rose from the dead, he rose as a man. In fact, the Bible says, as by man came death, by man also came resurrection. So we know that he rose as a man. But the mystery is this. When Jesus rose, he rose into divinity. So now we have a man in the Godhead. What I'm saying is that in a throne room where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are the only people that are private. To what happens there now we have humanity in its perfection there and this is just in accordance with his original purpose because god has always desired man to be his dwelling place that was why when jesus came in him dwelleth the fullness of the godhead bodily and i explained earlier on on friday that God always wanted man to be his dwelling place. But the first Adam, God couldn't dwell in that temple because he was just a shadow. So Jesus has to take that body, Adam's body, humanity, and pull that temple down. And when he rose from the dead, he raised a new temple, which is the church. Which is his body. He's just the head and we are his body. And so this is the temple that God is going to dwell in. Not just dwelling. This is the temple where the expression of all the full. Where all the glory of God is to be revealed. Everything that you have seen so far. Physically. Is just a shadow. The real thing God is doing is the one that is happening inside you. Because now you have become the repository, depository, the bank, the treasure house, the storehouse of the Godhead. So the divine activity, oh, yes, all the oppressions of God are taking place in you now. Let me explain it better because I know you didn't get it. You have an idea what I'm saying, but this just this last line. You didn't really know what I'm talking about. You see, 
God has never worked in vacuum. God has always worked in himself. Amen? In the eternal past when there were no heaven, no earth, where there was no space, no emptiness, no vacuum, nothing itself was not even there. Where there was even no realm of existence, no medium, nothing, no eternities. Even then, God was around. Because he doesn't need a medium, he doesn't need a space. He is enough for himself. So he's called a self-existing one. So God was living in himself. See, God doesn't need air like you need air, oxygen to live. He doesn't need a space, an earth to walk in or some air to hang in. He doesn't need a... Mitchell said he's sufficient in himself. He's fine. He doesn't need space. Space that needs him. He doesn't need a medium. It's medium that needs him for existence. So even in that eternal past, God was still working. Because there was a relationship and an interaction in the Godhead. And everything that was happening was happening in the Godhead. What it means is that the Holy Spirit becomes the house for the Father and the Son to have their incarnation. The Holy Spirit came out from God and became the house of God and became the realm of God and became the medium of God. And at a point, Jesus became oh, the fullness of the Godhead bodily where all the divine activities were happening in Jesus. There was a time where all the activities were happening in the Father. So God was still working but it was in him. The son was working, but it was in him. The Holy Spirit was working and it was in him. Let me explain something to you. And God has never changed that since. Amen. In creation, it looks like he created a physical world and then there are activities in the physical. But all these things that are in the physical, they are transient, they are passing away. Amen. The real things that are being done are in the spirit. And they are happening in God the Father, and in God the Son, and in God the Holy Ghost, and now in the church. Let me explain something to you. When you got born again, you were born of the Spirit and of the Word. The Holy Ghost and Jesus gave birth to you. In God. God got pregnant with you in Christ. And delivered by the Holy Ghost. You were born of the word. Jesus. And you were born of the Holy Spirit. From the father. That's how come he became your father. Then. The supernatural and divine experiences began. The Holy Ghost took you. And baptized you into Christ. Dipped you. Submerged you. Buried you in Christ. So your baptism into Christ was done by the Holy Ghost. Then after you've been baptized into Christ by the Holy Ghost, Jesus now takes you and baptizes you in the Holy Ghost. Now, I want you to understand this. Doc, come. Could you come? Pastor Randy, come. Face me. Yes, stand in front of me, the three of you. Okay, let's say you are Jesus. Let's say you are the Holy Ghost. Come this way. See, when you got born again, it was a combination of the incarnation and the resurrection. 
That happened in one. Do you know how Jesus became flesh? Jesus was the word of God. And the word was made flesh, which means he was not flesh. Jesus is a quickening spirit. He was never a man. But what happened was that the Holy Ghost absorbed the word and the Father into one. And emptied the Father into the Son. And then Jesus came out in his first advent as the incarnation. So even the incarnation, God was born of the Spirit. Even the incarnation. Even his first birth. He was not born of blood, nor the will of man. Even his first birth. But that was still not the mystery. Jesus became born again when he rose from the dead. Some of you don't know Jesus was born again. Jesus' new birth was when he died and rose. He was born from the dead. He was the first born from the dead. You, before you came around, cry, you're already dead in Adam. So, when Jesus Christ came and died, you died with him. In fact, he took you and Adam and the rest of us and died with us. In fact, we died, but he wanted to say, this is your death, cry, you are not properly dead. Let's die properly. Because death itself has to be killed. When he rose up, that was when he was recreated. That was when he was born again. And that's when you also were recreated. But it was when you received what Christ did. That was when it actualized in you physically. Do you understand? Sometimes we are limited by our natural experience. So we don't understand spiritual things. You see, like we have this service. When we close, the service is over. Everything has finished. So that is what people think when it comes to the things of God. They think that once God does something, it ends. See, the works of God and the word of God are the same. They have the same efficacy. The Bible says that the word of God is living and alive. Zao. What it means is that the word of God is not just alive, it's living. What it means is that if God speaks a word one million years ago and you encounter the word, it's as fresh as if God is now saying it. Because the word is not passive. The word is never finished. It's, not, it's active. Now, if you pour blood here, after one year, you can't recognize the blood. In fact, by one week, it would have dried up. By one year, you can't see blood here. But when Jesus shed his blood, because the blood is not passive, it's active, the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago is fresh. Because it's active. That's how the works of God are. Like the finished work of Christ. It's not like, it's finished. It is active. It's active. Bearing in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's active. Hallelujah. 
So all the works of Jesus that he did, they are not dead though. They are active. They were encapsulated. Say encapsulated. Do you know a capsule? Okay, so doctor, write out some antibiotics for us. Somebody has uh, some serious cough and we think he has infection and so you write something for uh, Amoxiclav, 625 milligram. Hey. Now, when you take that, everything that is in the capsule, do you understand? Gets into you, your system, right? So everything Jesus did was encapsulated. It's like a capsule. Back into the gospel, the word of God. So when you hear the gospel, the death and resurrection of Christ, when you take it in, to believe is to receive. To believe is like to eat. G-D. You take and eat. So when you believe, you actually take into you. So when you take in that gospel... You are not just taking in mere words. You are taking in the resurrection of Christ, the dying of Christ, and it becomes part of you. So whatever happened on the cross happened to you. Whatever happened that day when Jesus rose from the dead happened to you. Amen. Everything that exists, everything that is done, already existed in God the Father. Because there was a time that there was nothing but God. So everything that exists was in God. So the diamond was in God. Correct? Correct? Alright. So you see diamond, you say, ah, this thing is nice. No. That is a faded, far removed, one billion light years, distant, shadow of the original diamond that was in God. That diamond is tired. The real thing is in God. That's what we talk about, true riches. Everything came out of God. Guess what? In the first creation, what he brought out was not a treasure. Nobody displays his treasure everywhere. You hide it. That's all these things have been hidden for the church. The true riches and all the glory is hidden for the church. Amen. So much so that when you compare all the wealth that people have to just the true riches, that one is called the mammon of unrighteousness. When you see somebody's righteousness and you compare it to the righteousness in Christ, that one is filthy rags. But everything was in God, actually. And then God began to bring it all out. Amen? So, God is the God of all glory. What I'm trying to say is that all the diamonds were in God. All the wealth, the oil was in God. Everything was in God. Everything you can think about was in God. And then God decided to reveal himself. That's how creation started. So everything God created was to reveal himself. But he started with a shadow. He started with a elementary principles of the doctrine of Christ. Because the last thing to be revealed was his person, which is Christ. And his nature. Hallelujah. All the while, everything that was happening 
We have the shadow and the reality. The Bible says without the word was not anything made that was made. Nothing was made without Jesus. Well, without him was not anything made that was made. That statement, we have a partial fulfillment of that statement. And we have the final fulfillment. What I mean is that that statement is partially true now. But later it shall be fully true. Because if there was not anything made without him, how come the devil did what he did? Remember, we also said that everything was already in God. So where did the devil come from? He might have come from God. No. He didn't come from God. God knew that he was going to give his creatures evolution, a will. And once they have a will, they have the power to submit to him or not. They have the power to corrupt his purpose or not. That was why he made the first creation a shadow. So that the devil can come and play with the shadow and not touch. So the first Adam and all this we are seeing in the world. Men are seriously marrying men. But it's just a matter of time. The devil is not eternal. The devil will perish eternally, but he himself doesn't have eternal capabilities. What it means is that Bible says a time will come, iniquity will finish. The devil will run out of ideas. The last sin will be committed. Now listen, iniquity is the potential. Sin is the manifested one. So, God already saw iniquity. The potential of sin. So he allowed it to come out and say, you know what? A time will come, iniquity will be finished. All the shadow will pass away. All the corruption, everything will pass away. Then a time is going to come where and there was nothing made that was made without him. That was why when Jesus Christ rose, he rose as a new creation. And he himself became the first creature, the firstborn from the dead. So that everything that will come out from this new creation will be like him. According to the principle of firstborns. So, in the resurrection, Jesus is both the creation, the realm of existence, that's what I mean. And then he stepped out as the first creature. So that everything that is going to happen in Christ will just be like him. Whilst this is happening, the old age is rolling away like a carpet. Whilst the new age is being rolled like a carpet in. And the old man. You know, people don't see that this thing is passing away. Everything is passing. So this age is going to close. They are happening concurrently. So Jesus came as the firstborn. And then some of us got born again. Then, okay. Then a time will come all things will be gathered into Christ. 
And then this old thing will be ruled out. Do you understand? Then that time we can say that there was nothing made that was made without him. It will be fulfilled. Amen. But the point I want to make here, the point I want to make here is this. The point I want to make here is this. Everything that God truly does, he does it in the Godhead. Not in the space and mediums of the world. No, no. So when you're going to be born again, you were born of the word and of the spirit by the father. So your new birth happened in the Godhead. Then, because you were born into the Godhead and given the very life, please, you are given the very life that Jesus has, the very life God has, the very life, the Holy Spirit. The life of God is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is also the life of God. The Bible said the eternal life that was with the Father. There was a time God decided that my life will be Christ. I won't laugh if Christ is not laughing. Which means that everything that God will do, that's what Christ is. The eternal life that was with the Father. And John said, we have heard and seen, we declare unto you, so that you can have fellowship with us, because our fellowship, our communion, is with God, the Father, and His Son. Now, oh, I love you, Jesus. The very life that the Godhead lived was what was given you at new birth. And according to my Bible, you were actually allowed to be a joint participator. That is one of the meaning of the word communion. You were allowed to be a participator in the divine nature. When Christ rose from the dead and entered the divinity, where were you? He carried you with him. And gave you his very life. So now, you are participating in the Godhead. The interactions in the Godhead. The communion. The joint participation. Is happening with you. In fact, we said that another meaning of the word communion is community. There is a community, community 5, community 6, community 10. There is a community, community. The Holy Ghost created a community for the Godhead and us, the church. And we are in that community, communing, jointly participating, taking his nature, his ideas, his feelings. You have the mind of Christ. And somebody is talking about low self-esteem. It's over the bar. What are you even talking about? Self-esteem. You are just speaking flesh. Self-esteem for what? You see, facts are correct until the mid-truth. Then the figures change. So psychology is okay until it meets the reality of the spirit. The truth. It's like torchlight and the sunlight. You better hide that your torchlight. <laughs> now, you know people are chasing for grace. They don't get it. They don't get it. 
You know, people are looking for peace. You are a participator now here. I said what? Okay. That's how come in worship, you get oblivious to the world and to problems. You are just lost because you have engaged the triune God. You've engaged your divine capabilities. So, of course, everything vanishes. But sweetheart, you can leave it. What you experience in worship, you can leave it. I'm saying the high you experience when you are full of the Holy Ghost. If you live in the spirit, you can always experience it. And don't tell me it's just a feeling. Spiritual things are more real than physical. There was something I was telling you. I said the things God is doing, he's not doing in a vacuum. He's doing it in the Godhead. So whatever God is doing, he's either doing it in his son, or he's doing it in his spirit, or he's doing it where? In the church, because that's a community. That's all. All the other things that are happening, they are not real. Heaven doesn't even want to know. He just wants to know who is getting saved. Who is coming into the community? Heaven is not interested in your oil and gas. You see, that is what the Bible says. Labor not for the meat that perisheth. You know how people can't get it? All the work we do, we labor for meat that perisheth. Bible says, labor not for meat that perisheth. Don't spend maximum energy on things that will perish. Because he that sow to the flesh will the flesh reap corruption. Invest in the spirit rather. Spend more time in prayer, in worship. Be led by the spirit. Put your investments in God and in the things of God. Invest in souls. Let me drop this. By the way, Anything that is not in the purpose of God doesn't exist. As far as heaven is concerned, there's no Ishmael. God said, Abraham, take your son, your only son. Ishmael was there. But he said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac. As far as God was concerned, there was no Ishmael. Now, you don't get it. God said, oh, I'll bless Ishmael also because he comes from your loins. But the promise was Isaac. What I'm trying to say is that God can even give money to the unbeliever. Because that's nothing. That's not a promise. The promise is the Holy Ghost. And he won't give that to an unbeliever. It is only for the believer. The Bible says, if you men who know how to give good gifts to your children, why will God not give the Holy Ghost to those. He's saying that all good gifts is the Holy Ghost. Because there's an inheritance for you. Now, so you see, the things you do outside God's purpose for your life is a waste. 
Now, the Bible says that some people will be saved, but as by fire, because their works will be burnt. Salvation is by grace. No iota of works. No iota of works. Lest, nobody is going to be saved because he did anything good. But there is what we call the working out of your salvation. It is the outworking of glory. How much weight you have is dependent on how much gold you have. For your information, the metaphor for the fruit of the spirit is gold, precious stones. The Bible says the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. He called meekness an ornament. So the gold is the fruit of the spirit. Love, your patience, your kindness, your generosity, your endurance. But you see, what people don't understand is that you can't impress God. And God doesn't really need you to do anything for him. I mean, he was very okay before you came around. By the way, if you want to know your level, compare yourself with the whole earth. And compare the earth among the, I mean, this is our small solar system. And compare the solar system to all the several, the galaxies and the Milky Ways and the constellations. And then size yourself again. Truly, he doesn't really need you. You really need him. And brother, if you are not around, nothing will change. In fact, we may not even know you are not around. So it's not about us. It's about his purpose. So you see, God's glory is in his purpose. God's glory is in his purpose. The purpose of God is the will of God. When you break it down, that's the will of God. Do you understand? You see the way the eye was designed. Even its position. When we change the position of your eye, you look weird. And it will affect your sight. So, where God placed you in the body, the gift God gave you, the destiny God gave you, they are all designed by purpose for glory, for your beauty, for your optimum or optimal manifestation. When we take this, your eye out of the socket, temporarily, it's useless. Unless it makes it back into the socket. So there's a place for you in God's agenda. When you are out of the place, the stars that go out of their course, they stop shining. So there is a will of God, a place of God for you. Don't live like an unbeliever. Just looking at what they are doing and doing. Find out the will of God, the place of God for you and be. Number two, if we remove your eye out of your socket, both the eye and you yourself, you look weird. That's how come some people are weird. Heaven is looking at you and you are weird. They say, who is this? Because you are out of place. Can I tell you something? The most important thing there is, is the purpose of God. Nothing more, nothing less. The will of God. Nothing. No, 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 no. Don't you understand? Jesus in himself could have done his own things. 
Because he is God in every sense. But he understands the priority of purpose. So when they say shake yourself, they say if you are the son of God, come down from the cross. His power didn't interfere with his purpose. God's power and ability doesn't interfere with his purpose. By the way, honey, God is not proving any point to anybody. God cannot be inconvenienced. God cannot be hysterical. God cannot be too early. He cannot be too late. You can cry and roll on the ground. It will move him. You can give all the money you have in the bank. Hold it. Hold it. You can give all the money you have in the bank. You can give yourself to be bent. You can die as a matter for the Lord. Sweetheart, don't you understand when Jesus was on the cross, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? He don't mind himself. Because what is important was he must die. The purpose was more important than the pain. But you see, the purpose of God has glory always at the top. At the end. Because it's beautiful. He's perfect in wisdom. Perfect in love. And perfect in might. So you can trust him absolutely. I'll say that again. He's perfect in wisdom. Perfect in love. And perfect in might. So you can trust him absolutely. In other words, he's in charge. All powerful. The devil can maneuver. Some of you will fear for before. They are too powerful than your destiny. Ah, well, that is what you believe. I don't believe that. Some of you, your Satan is stronger than your God. Honey, I don't believe that. For some of you, the juju in Beni and Nogopo and uh, Kliko are stronger than the Holy Ghost in you. Okay, yeah, prophet. Sometimes if you are not strong enough, the devil can stop God's will for your life. Oh. Subjectively, not objectively. Men cast lost the whole disposition of the Lord. There's still a sovereignty of God. He said all things work for your good. He thinks everything is good. So the devil can do some real bad stuff. Disgrace you, give you pain, make you uncomfortable. But the whole disposition is of the Lord. He knows how to knock it together to work for good. You don't get it. He said, I created a blacksmith. Ah! Who bloweth the coal? Bafu. Bafu. And bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I created the waster to destroy. Therefore, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You didn't get it. He said, you didn't get it. We quote this scripture... But we never quote it in contest. We don't get a whole picture. He didn't just say no weapon form against your prosper. That's correct and that's very true. But he said it in contest. He said, the man who is manufacturing the dagger, Pafu, he said, I saw him when he woke up. And he said, I'm going to work. And I'm going to manufacture this spear or this arrow or this sword. That an armed robber is going to use one day to kill another person. God said when they were manufacturing the weapon, the man who was doing it, I saw him before he went to manufacture it. I could have stopped him. So if I didn't stop him and he manufactured the weapon, I want you to know that that weapon is not for you. the sovereignty of God. I said, don't worry. 
That is why sometimes even somebody has to die. God said, don't worry. I could have stopped it. But it's okay. No, 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 no. Honey, it can be painful. But the master artist say, the drawing, you don't even know what I'm doing. The last time I sent a video to all our pastors, there was this guy who was for the X Factor or one of these uh, uh, X Factor or Britain has talent or one of these guys. And they say he had just three minutes or two minutes or one minute. And then they were saying three more seconds to draw. And then he said three more seconds. And this guy was doing something. Everybody was like, they said five more seconds. The man finished, time up, he turned it upside down, he had drawn one of the judges. So perfectly. And I said, if man can do this, what about? If a man can create a mess, turn it upside down. And it become perfect. Honey, I don't know who you have entrusted your life. I don't know which hands. Is it the same potter I know? God said, Jeremiah, there's something I want to tell you, but you won't get it here. I can talk and talk, you won't get it. So just go to the potter's house. If you go there, then I'll give you the word. Then he saw this guy. Work. Honey, you are in the hands of the master craftsman. <laughs> Baby, you are not a mistake. You may be born out of wedlock, but you are not a mistake. I know what I'm talking about. Everyone who was born, whether in a noble way or even by rape, your first birth is the same. It is of the will of man, it is of the flesh, and it is of blood. That one doesn't matter. What matters is the second birth. Those who are born not of blood, not of the will of man, but of God. And whatsoever is born of God. Angry Willie, one time I was going through trouble. I had so much pain. It was like my brain wanted to snap. I was in so much pain. And I had anxiety, panic attacks. And I was just afraid of the next evil news. That would trigger my anxiety. And so we're headed for a meeting. And I knew the meeting was going to be tense. And I knew that the thing would happen to me again. I was like, oh God, what is this? And the Lord came to me. People I was not supposed to be afraid of, I was afraid of. Because it would trigger my phobia. Something will happen to me again. And then I was there. Then the Lord said, Manasseh, I created the smith. Who blows the coal and brings forth an instrument for his work. And then he said, Manasseh, I created the waster to destroy. I created the waster to destroy. Therefore, no weapon form against him. Let me put it blunt. God said, that boy called the devil, I, I created him. And therefore, no weapon form against you.
shall prosper. And honey, every tongue that rises up against you in judgment is condemned. Then he added, for this is the heritage of the sons of God. And they are vindication. Woo! Did you hear that? They are righteousnesses of me. Let me say something. Do you know that sometimes we can condemn you? But the last judge is God. What we are saying doesn't really matter. What God said. He said, your vindication is on me. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who is he that condemned? Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? You know that sometimes some things happen. Okay? That was not what you meant. But it looked like that is what you did or said. And you want to explain yourself. But not even your best friend can trust you. Because maybe that was not the first time. Or maybe, no, 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 this one, dear. I know you, I know you, that's how you are. But that's not really it. And you want to explain it and you wish you can unwind the clock. And it doesn't happen. But God understands. Sometimes our heart is even condemning us. And we wish we could explain this thing to God. But the Bible says if your heart condemns you, God is bigger than your heart. And he knows all things. He said, Jesus, this one, please, I beg you, I'm sorry. This one, I know is bad. Lord, please, please. You are even wasting your time. He can explain better to you why you did what you did. And he said, I don't hold anything against you. If you can keep seeing me, if you can keep communing with me, if you can keep fellowshipping in this community, that old man will vanish. That body of flesh will vanish. Hallelujah. If you can look at me, if you can keep looking, Alexander was reading out Rick Joyner's book to me. Rick Joyner went to heaven and Jesus was talking to him. He said, Many times people look at others. That's why they fail. They compare their strength with other people's strength and they are discouraged. He said, Look at me. Look at me. Look away from everything else. Just look at me. People may love you, but they don't love you that much. People may understand you, but they don't understand you that much. People may care about you, but not that much. Because people can get tired. But I will never leave you nor forsake you. So this is the close circuit. Community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in church. That's all. This is where everything is happening. Now, people don't really know that. People think God is shooting some things into space. Well, if God is shooting anything into space, he's actually shooting it from the church into space. Now, do you actually know that many times 
We are looking for mantles to fall from heaven. And truly, they fall from heaven. Sometimes, chariots come from heaven. Because the chariots of God are in heaven. But you see, the thing is, we are in heaven and on earth. There are three realms. The physical realm, the spiritual realm, and the realm of reality. Why do I say that? Because what people say usually is that we have two realms, the realm of the spirit and the realm of the physical. So then I ask them, heaven, where is it? Is it in the realm of the spirit? The answer is no. Is it in the realm of the physical? The answer is no. There's a third realm called the realm of reality. And in that realm, the physical and the spiritual are one. So though we are seated in the heavenly place in Christ, we are still here. Because we are in the realm of reality. So some of the things that we think is coming from heaven, is actually coming from us. The Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers. Now, he's talking about anointing, the Holy Ghost. It's not going to come from up. It was the day of Pentecost that the Holy Ghost came from heaven. And he's been here since. He's not gone back. Well, do you mean the Holy Spirit is not in heaven? Because it's omnipresent. So he's in heaven and he's here. But his manifest presence is on earth. Just like Jesus left heaven and spent 33 years on earth here. Though he said, I am he that is in the bosom of the Father. Because he's omnipresent. He was in heaven and on earth. But his manifest presence was on earth. The Holy Spirit has been here. And many of the anointings we are talking about is going to come out of you. Because that is the community of God. That's where God does the things. Now, so this is the community. This is the community. Honey, many of you don't know. You think the thing that is happening is social media. See that the real thing, that's just junk. The real thing is happening here in the body. The things God did, he did in his son. He did which he wrought in Christ. And the body of Christ, the church. So the things are happening here. Here, here, in you. Do you know that God's secret place, which was under the earth, he transferred it into your heart. The Bible says the ground is the heart of man. God's secret place that was under the earth. You know, we have the earth, we have the lower regions of the earth. We have Hades, also called Shul. Then we had Paradise. Then we have the bottomless pit. Then we have God's manufacturing room. It's called God's secret place. It was under the earth. That was God's manufacturing room. God didn't create Adam from heaven. He did it there. David said, when I was intricately woven in the secret place of the earth, under the earth, the lower regions, God's treasure room where he keeps his things. Do you know that God's treasure room has been transferred into your heart? So the heart is not a realm of divine activity. Your human spirit, your human spirit is the realm of divine activity. 
everything God will do, can I say this? God will not do anything in heaven and on earth without first doing it in the heart of a man. The Bible says that I have covered you with the hollow of my hands, which is the anointing, and put my word in your mouth that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundation of the earth. The new heaven and the new earth God is going to create is going to come out of the church. First, I used to think that nothing happens on earth without a man speaking it. Now I've realized that nothing happens in heaven and on earth until a man is speaking it. Because everything God is doing, he is doing in the community of the church. Okay, so separate yourself slightly. Let me show you. So this is where we stopped. So when you got born again, you are the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost carried you. Ishi, can we use you for an example? Please come. All right. So let's say you are the one born again. The Holy Ghost carries you and baptizes you. The word is bury, immerse. So you carries him and baptizes him in Christ. And when you got born again, you are buried in Christ, baptized into Christ, correct? Were you baptized into Christ? Yes. It was the Holy Ghost who did that. Water baptism is just a physical sign. But spiritually, you are buried in Christ. Correct? Then Jesus now carries you and bury you in the Holy Ghost. So Holy Ghost baptism is done by Jesus. Not by the Holy Ghost. John said, there's one coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So Jesus takes you and immerses you in the Holy Ghost. Are you here? Then the Holy Ghost forms Christ in you when you are buried in Christ. And Christ will make sure that you take on the nature of the Father in you in the Holy Ghost. So, you are just being tossed like this because God doesn't want to lose momentum. So, it is from one person that got it. And he said, well, you too, when you go and preach the gospel, baptize them, immerse them, submerge them in the Father. Let them take on all the glories of the Father. Then push them in the Son until they look like the Son. And push them in the Holy Ghost until they are totally lost in the Holy Ghost. Give the Lord a clap. Why? So this is really where you are. Please keep tossing this girl for me. Keep tossing her. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> Put your hands together. Holy Ghost. Honey, that's really where you are. So you're not at the mercy for any car to just knock. Or for any arrow. No, no. That is not it at all. For your information, Jesus says, not even one bed falls down without my permission. He said, these beds, they are useless. 
How much are they? But he said, not even one fourth. He said, look, I got, as for you, all your hairs are numbered, calculated. Tell your neighbor, your life is intact. You are very safe. Now, guess what? What is this girl's identity now? Who is she? Where is she? Who is she? What can she do? I like that A. Man, can you not see that his capability, his capacity? Okay, let me give you a better explanation. When you put a man in the White House and you say from today you are president, Master, that man can shut heaven and earth down. <laughs> he can do anything to any country in this world. Unilaterally, the U.S. president, once he says it's finished, because the power behind the man. So, can you imagine how this girl is going to shine? Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand. So, this is the highest place. He's talking about the power that was unleashed. The highest place. It was first a power that conquered death. He raised him from the dead. He conquered death. The devil's ultimate. And raised him to the highest point. Right? The right hand. That's the place of authority. It's a Hebraic idiom for place of authority. Right hand. In his own right hand, in the heavenly places. Far above. Can we read it together? Far above. Say far above. above. Sweetheart, you and demons, you're not in the same level. As a matter of fact, demons are the lowest of this rank. They didn't even mention demons here. They are talking of principalities. That's the highest of the rank demoniac. When God says far, brother is far. Because the other time when I checked, when Jesus said, I'm coming soon, 2,000 years has passed. So when God says it's far, honey, it's really far. (laughs) Far above all, all, some principalities. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Did you see that? And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Uh huh. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Did you just see that? He gave the headship of Jesus to the church. Listen, that's the meaning. He gave the headship, that dominion that he gave. He's the head of the body, the church. He's here. He put all things on his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. The next line says, which is his body. The fullness of him that filled all in all. Now, this statement means that the fullness of God's glory 
and the fullness of Jesus' glory is fulfilled or realized in the body. Because when the glory of God tabernacle in Jesus, when he came, he was just one man at one point at a time. But when the church was born as the body of Christ, now Christ is everywhere. So the glory of God is not locked up in one man. He said to Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. The word is actually all and one. They drop one L. So the alone there is all in one. It's not good for man to be everything in one. So he pulled the woman out because the woman was already in there. And then we all started coming out. So it was not good that God should put all of us just in one. So he brought us out of Christ so that we can finish the glory. We can fulfill the glory. So, I want you to look at the other scripture. Chapter 4 of this same Ephesians. Let's look at from verse 7. Now, the Bible talks about, as every man has received a gift, let him minister the same as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, the grace of God is manifold. The word manifold is many and fold. The grace of God is in many folders. The Greek word is many colors. It's talking about garment that has plenty colors. That is why, though grace can sing, God said, there's a particular style of singing. Only Sandra can give me that one. That is why though there is a Benny Hinn, there is also a T.D. Jakes. That is why though there is a Pastor Chris, there is also a Prophet Achumanase. Now, let me explain. Let me explain. You see, when God started creating the world, he had a problem. Big problem. The problem was space. Because he was not just going to create. He was going to empty himself. He was bringing out what was in him. But the man is bigger than the space. You don't understand. There was a time there was space itself was in him. Eternities were in him. So bringing everything out, there was going to be a space problem. So do you know what he did? Instead of creating million butterflies, he created millions of species of butterfly. What it means is that the wisdom, the art, the beauty, the designs are too much that when you put one million butterflies down, everyone is different. So, he took time and put these contours in your palm called thumbprint. And he said, no human being alive, dead, or yet to be born will have the same one. And he gave you a retina that no human being living, dead, or to be born has. And he gave you an iris. Science proves that no human being has your iris. He gave you a lips. Science now says that no two human beings have the same lips. Woo! He gave you an ear. Science says that no two people have the same ear. He gave you a gate. The gate is your step. 
how you walk and run. No human being walks and runs like you. Even your toe print, no human being has it. Because God is saying there's a glory in me. Only you must express it. Nobody else. Stop wasting your time comparing yourself with somebody else. It's a waste of time. Sweetheart, there's a glory in God. Only you will reveal it. So even if somebody comes to take your place, he can't reveal your glory. So sweetheart, your younger sister didn't take your new yam. Nobody should deceive you. In fact, even if they remove your face and give to him, he still can be you. Like our brother face of <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a movie called Face Off. Where they remove somebody's face and give to another person. <laughs> a criminal took a CIA agent's face and a CIA agent took the other guy's face. Hallelujah. Unto every man is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So when Jesus Christ did all these things, then he decided to start, he started sharing. You two, collect. You two, collect this one. You two, collect this part of God's glory. You two, this for you. Uniquely adapted, suited for your temperament, for your makeup, for the way you behave, for the way you see things, for the way you act, for your time. That's why you are not obroni. That's why you are not born in New York. Because the agenda is different. The purpose is different. <laughs> yeah. That's why God gave you the tribe he gave you. Yeah. They were all designed like that. Even your height. He designed everything for purpose. Hello? Hello? He gave us grace, everybody. Next verse. Wherefore he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now I want you to look at this verse very carefully and note it. When did Jesus give us the gift? When did Jesus give you the grace? Oh, you are not talking to me. When did he give it to you? The Bible says when he ascended. Now, why did he have to wait to ascend? It was when he rose above all principality and power. Conquered death. Conquered thrones, dominion, everything. And went to the highest place. That was when he gave you the gift. So, the ascension gifts actually are resurrected gifts. The gifts are ascension gifts. They are gifts that overcome death. Overcome the world. Overcome every situation. That's how come I know you will shine. No matter what happens. Because the gift that was given to you. It was when he ascended up on high. That's when he gave you the gift. Jesus waited until he went to the highest place of glory. Honey, your gift 
is glorious. Because it was given you from there. Now that he ascended, what is it? But he descended first into the lower parts of the earth. Uh-huh. He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. The original says that he might fulfill all things. And he gave some. Let's stop there. He is just saying that the gift God gave, Jesus gave, are ascension gifts, resurrected gifts. They are gifts that have overcome death, hell, the systems of the world, and they are gifts of glory. I just came to say here that in the brightness of your rising, you are shining from the place of ascension. You are shining from the throne of grace. You are shining from the throne of God. This season you are going to shine. You will continue to shine. And there shall be no end to your glory. Because you take strength. Your shine is from here. Your shine is from the father of lights. In whom there is no variableness nor shadow due to change. Give the Lord praise in this house. Give him praise in this house. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah
God for a minute. Please give me strength.
Can't see. 